0: How many of you know that when we allow personal grievances about ourselves towards ourselves, in those times when we're talking, when we're by ourselves talking to ourselves about ourselves, and we begin to rehearse personal grievances about ourselves to ourselves? we're actually creating an inroads for a demonic agenda to begin to operate in our life. And so one of the things that I'm really focusing on in my own personal life isn't just Christ in me, the hope of glory. In fact, I don't think many of us have an issue with Christ being in us and that we're going to heaven you know if we talk to a lot of christian guys you know none of us are really doubting heaven what we doubt sometimes is on earth as it is in heaven somebody say amen to that so when you experience difficulty or resistance or opposition uh from our opponent the devil when Uh, a fallen world falls. I don't know why we're shocked by that. When a fallen world falls, when uh, we are surprised at the negativity that is spewed out every day and the gulf between uh, political parties and races and social economic groups keeps getting wider and wider and wider and wider and then here we are, the church, and we get all, you know, agitated about the world being the world. Come on, man. And what the problem is, is when the world finds an inroads into our world. Amen. And that's when it gets toxic, that's when it gets funky. I'm not, uh, and, and that agenda <coughs> carries with it a mandate to... uh, See, there's nothing that the devil can do about Christ, the revelation of Christ in you, the hope of glory. There's nothing he can do about that. What he does is bring condemnation in our lives and talk us out of us being in Christ. Because... Christ in you is only half of it. The other half is you in Christ. So there there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ. He doesn't say for those that Christ is in. So when we have a revelation that we are in Christ, then you cannot participate in an in Christ mentality and a personal grievance mentality you cannot uh, when you have a personal grievance about yourself you deal with it two ways one you get into condemnation or two you get into pleasure seeking I can't get no help from nobody over there so I'm gonna come over here felt a little something no I'm just kidding Uh, but so when you witness in your own Christianity a proclivity uh, and proclivity means a leaning toward negativity. You can't have a proclivity toward positivity. You can only have a proclivity toward negativity. So when you have a proclivity toward uh, personal pleasure all the time, the you can trace that back to a inability to understand or grab a hold of the fact that you are in Christ. And what you're actually operating from, and this is why guys mess up, man. This is why we mess up our world. This is why we screw up our families. This is why we get divorces. This is why we're unhappily married. This is why we model to our kids some goofy stuff. This is why we can't uh, stop the trajectory of our own parentage, our own upbringing is because we calibrate our lives and our internal conversations to a condemnation, personal grievance, and or pleasure-seeking life because we are not satisfied uh, and content with the reality that we are in Christ and all that that means in our identity. It's easier to have Christ in you and believe that than to believe that you are in Christ. Because if you're in Christ, the Bible says you're dead. Hey, hey. So I don't know too many dead people that are trying to, you know, uh, have a f- girlfriend on the side. I, I can't get no help. I, I, don't know, I don't know many dead people. I don't know many dead people that you can tempt with a margarita. Come on, somebody. I mean, go to any funeral, open the casket, and offer the guy a joint. See what happens. Nothing happens. I cannot imagine you, uh, f- you know, going to a graveyard and exhuming a body and trying to uh, tell, that per- tell that person in that casket that you just pulled out of the ground, uh, you know, you're, and put condemnation on them and, and them, them receiving it. You could holla all you want. That dude is dead. And I don't know why we go back and exhume our old selves and ask them for advice on our futures. Come on, somebody. I don't know why we do that. Why do we do that, T? I mean, why do we we go back to what has been cut off in our life? He read it today. What did it say? Uh, If any man is... Then he's a new creation. It doesn't say if any man has Christ in him. Because that's a given. I'm not saying I'm not minimizing Christ in us. That's the hope of glory. But how many know I don't want to be hoping for glory right now? I got bills. I got a wife. I don't know necessarily what came first. Oh, yeah, I do. The wife, then the bills. Come on. <laughs> right? Come on, man. <laughs> You know, I had somebody say to me one time, uh, you know, hey, look, you chose her. What are you complaining about? Like, you surveyed the landscape of every woman. I mean, I've had so many guys, uh, you know, complain about their wives. I'm like, you're the knucklehead that's tracked her down. Now, she didn't ask you to marry her. You, you know, she didn't ta- you didn't take her last name. You better stop complaining, man. Hey, man, get your nose out of your navel, baby. And love your wife as Christ loves the church, you know. And, uh, you know, I'm not getting any sex. Hey, you get as much sex as you deserve. <laughs> Come on, man. Like, hey. You can't just, never mind. Okay, it's a little <laughs> early and I didn't sleep well, so I, I'm a liable to say anything under the anointing right here. So um, so when we understand uh, that we are in Christ, then the power of condemnation leaves our disposition. And guilt and shame no longer have an opportunity or a tutoring voice in our life. I mean, we, you, we probably run into people all the time, been tutored by shame. And so they just keep regurgitating Regrets. And then when you regurgitate regrets, you rehearse restrictions. And then when you rehearse restrictions, then you become fragmented in your focus. Because you're always worried about what's holding you up rather than what has already lifted you up. Come on. And then when you have a fragmented focus, then you have a diminished impetus. And then you wonder why your life can't punch through difficulties. Because in the world, this is one of the promises of God that is yes and amen that we never claim, that in the world you'll have tribulation. <laughs> We're like, I claim that. I'll take that for myself right there. Praise the Lord, preacher. No, uh, in, in the world we'll have tribulation, but take courage. Sometimes we've got to reach out and take courage from where? We take courage from our in Christ status. That's where we take courage from. You don't take courage from the law of performance. You take courage from the spirit of identity. Because the law, the letter kills, but the spirit gives life. The letter is your performance. The spirit is his performance. Amen? So I don't know about you, but I'd rather calibrate to what Jesus did than to what I did. And so if we're dead and our life is hidden with God in Christ, then the reality of our disposition on planet earth is that we are dead. And so when you get an understanding that God isn't even, when he looks at you, he can't see you because you is dead. So when God, when the Father looks at you, he doesn't see you sees Christ in you and you in Christ and then treats you accordingly. So there is absolutely no biblical provision for feeling guilty or feeling shame. In fact, how can you function with efficiency if you are feeling guilty and feeling shame? You're eventually going to have to break through your guilty feelings and you're going to eventually have to break through your shame tutoring. To get back on the road to efficient living as a Christian man, correct? So my philosophy now is I'm not I'm gonna shorten the process. I used to let myself feel bad for about three days and then I'd pop out of it, have a little incubation time. Now I I I can't remember the last time I felt guilty. I remember the last time I was guilty. Come on, man. But I, I've, I'm training myself to go like, look, I'm going to have to get over this instead of be under this because everything in my life works when I'm hitting it on all eight in my relationship with God. And if there is therefore now, 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 no condemnation, I got to get out of this personal grievous con- grievance conversation with myself about myself because of what myself did or didn't do. And I'm going to have to get myself over into the "I'm dead" place, and and, and know that that I've been, you know, it, the Bible says that anyone who's been baptized into Christ has been baptized into His death. So, so we got to quit being alive to all the stuff that God killed. That's right. Yeah. right? If any man is in Christ, he's a new creature. Old things have passed away. When Tom talked about the guys that passed away, the old things have passed away. That's the same kind of mind. That means it died. The old things have died. We got to quit bringing the way we were raised into the way that we live. We got to quit bringing what our dad said about us and into into having more power than what our heavenly father says about us. That none of this makes any sense, and so it, it moves into this. Uh, I'm not. I'm not even talking about what I was going to talk about. But but this. It, then it moves into uh, bleeding into our self image. See, right voices, right choices. Wrong voices, wrong choices. So whatever voice you're inclining your ear to, that is defining your self-esteem, your self-worth, your self-image. So where does self-image come from? Self-image doesn't come from yourself. Someone gives you your self-image. Your self-image is derived from you attaching your belief to the opinion of the person who's most important to you. So whether you are trying to play it off like, I don't remember, I'm not really thinking about that, and you have a, 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 a dented up, messed up, toe up from the flow up, need a check up from the neck up self-image about yourself, and this is when you have a poor self-image, this is when we lack discipline, this is when we have soul trouble, right? This is when we have anger issues, why, why do we have these kind of issues in our life? We're just believing our own thoughts about ourselves rather than his, th- his thoughts about ourselves. And really, where did you get those thoughts about yourself? From your old man telling you that you were never going to amount to nothing. Come on, man. That your old man was telling you that, you know, like my dad used to tell me, hey, your last name's Hage. You just better get it straight. We have strong backs and weak minds. I like what? I he he said he said we're blue collar people. Boy, we're blue collar people. Not white collar people. Never be no white collar people. We're hages. Hages are laborers. I said you go ahead. <laughs> You go ahead, man. I'm gonna use my, I, you know, like that eagle song. A man can use his back, or he can use his brain. I think I'm gonna use my brain, and uh, keep my cuticles intact. Amen. Somebody, I, I ain't mad. At, I ain't mad at. I ain't mad at that. I just know what God called me to do. And my dad, my dad, delivered ice cream to liquor stores for a living. That's what he did. You know, when you go into the car wash or something, you, like, open that little freezer and you get a little Popsicle out of there when you're waiting for you. My dad was the dude who put the Popsicle in the little freezer in the car wash. That was my dad's job. $632 a month growing up. Telling me how I'm supposed to look at myself. And I remember when I was 13 years old, a juvenile delinquent, And some young man jumped up on a fence and yelled to this basketball court where I was jumping, shooting jump shots. He said, Steve Hage, if you don't change your ways, you're going to burn in hell. And at the time, I was the only white kid in an all-black gang in Los Angeles with an afro and an attitude. Lost the afro. (laughs) And something about that declaration... He didn't ease into it with me. He'd be like, hey man, you know, come get some pepperoni pizza and 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 listen to it. And man, he just said, look, if you don't change, you're gonna burn in hell, man. And I did not want to burn in hell at 13 years old. Something woke me up to that, to that reality that I that's I didn't want to spend my eternity toe up, man. I just And I'm this crazy kid, I'm stealing cars, I'm carrying knives, I'm throwing Molotov cocktails, I'm fighting every single day. I've probably been in a hundred fights. Some of them after I was saved. At church picnics on basketball courts. (laughs) And I'm the pastor, it just didn't work out. It's uh, the opposite of church growth. Where your whole church is like this. Anyway, I'm not kidding. It just happened that way. Praise the Lord. It's just the passion inside of me. Pastor Dwayne asked me yesterday, he goes, man, you seem mad sometimes. I go, no, I'm not mad. I said, I'm just passionate. He goes, oh, oh. He goes, well, it seems like you're mad. I said, "Uh, I'll work on that. As soon as I get over being mad for you pointing it out. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> and so at that, at that intersection of my spiritual journey, I had to silence and interrupt the self-image that my dad was giving me. I had to interrupt it. Go, you know what? I, I, I don't want to have a weak mind. I want to be smart. I want to be a leader. He used to tell me, look, no one follows Hages. No one, no, no one ever follows us. No, he used to say these things to me. Hey, boy, what do you want to do in your, with your life? He said, I want to be a pastor, a youth pastor. He goes, what? He goes, you can't make any money being a youth pastor. He's making $632. A month. You can't make any money being a youth pastor. I, I said, money's not my motivation. I, I want to count. Want to count for God, and and he could not get his brain around that, and so I had to interrupt the post its that he stuck all over me with what my heavenly Father was saying to me, right, and break the cycle of dysfunction, and. Now two of my kids are ordained ministers in full-time ministry and my other my other kid my other kid was the valedictorian of her high school she won a beauty contest for Miss Laguna Niguel she was a national champion horse jumper uh, and she graduated from UCLA which is the hardest school to get into in America 64,000 first time Applicants, Freshman applicants, they only take 4,000 out of 64,000. She made it in. Graduated with honors from UCLA. Is in corporate America. Drives a Mercedes. Living large because God's in charge. So I'm looking at my kids. And I'm like, what happened to that strong back, weak mind thing? Praise the Lord. Uh, wow, I think I put the curse in reverse. Amen. And, and did not carry on the legacy, right? Now, uh... I I will admit that my wife Danielle probably had everything to do with it, and it happened in spite of myself. But uh, but I'm saying that you don't have to perpetuate the a wrong self image. You can stop it if you will attach your belief to what Tom read today. That if any man is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old things are dead. Behold. Newness has come. So uh, going into 2018, if it's the year of new beginnings, uh, it's the year of, of uh, fresh starts, I don't think God gives us second chances because I use my second chance up about three seconds after I use my first chance up, right? I think God gives us new beginnings because chances, we don't need chances. We need beginnings. We need Genesis. We need... Uh, something to happen in our lives. So I I think that uh, once we calibrate to this mindset, it translates into empowerment, right? Now we're empowered men. You're not going to change your world without power because the reason why we need power is because there's some stuff we got to power through in this fallen world that's falling all around us. So we got to power through the obstacles. We have to power through the negativity. We have to power through our own uh, erroneous, uh, negligent internal conversations. We need the power to interrupt those conversations uh, with the truth. And then when we are empowered, empowerment translates into a life of liberty and freedom. We have the power to break those shackles off and stop those mindsets and and stop those conversations about ourselves and quit picking up lies. Uh, You know, any conversation you have with yourself that produces a bad feeling about yourself inside of yourself is the calibration to a lie. God did not make you to feel cruddy about yourself. Like, what's that about, man? What is that about? And then when you feel cruddy about yourself, we're so committed to being right that we surround ourselves with a bunch of people that confirm it. Right? And then you look around you and you're like, I got a bunch of idiots for friends. And, that, and that's because you picked them. Why did you pick idiots for friends? Because you wanted to be right about yourself. So, so uh, your intentions prevail. Okay, I, 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 is it too deep this morning? It, some of you are like, can we just go get some more bacon and eggs, sir? Like, like, like a tree. Tom, I, don't, I can't remember ever just talking without notes, ever. I don't know why I'm doing this. Uh, I'm trying to get to my message, but it's not happening because I got eight minutes left, so it's not happening. So, but, but, uh, you know, God's word doesn't return to him void. No, it now, watch this. Watch this. It, what it what's what it, what his word is or what his intentions are, the Bible says, when he sends them out, they have success in what they were sent out to do. And then they come back to him. Like, his word doesn't come back to him. So if we're created in his image, our words frame our worlds. So when our words go out of our mouth, they'll come back to us. They won't come back to us void, even if it's negative. It will accomplish what we set it out, and it'll come back and present itself in a horrible marriage or in uh, horrible earning power or in horrible health or in uh, proclivity to depression a leaning toward addiction come on man all of that is all of that was created by what we say to ourselves about ourselves so when you start saying yo deeply loved highly favored Richly blessed. Thanks. I usually work alone, but I appreciate you remembering that. No, richly blessed. I'm a son of God. I'm. I've been. I've been grafted in, in sonship, to my heavenly Father. God looks at as He is. So also are we in this world. Is Jesus depressed? Is Jesus broke? Is Jesus sick? Is Jesus worried about if he's going to go to heaven? Is Jesus worried about the light bill? Is Jesus worried about if he's going to get married? Is Jesus worried? Well, why are we then, if if as he is, so we is in this world, in this world? We don't have to wait to go to heaven to be like him. Jesus is not an example for us. He's an example of us. Listen, you're more than a conqueror. That means the conquering has already been done. You don't have to reconquer what's been conquered. Why? You're more than a conqueror. So we start operating in our life above the, let me say it like this. You don't live your life for the victory. You live your life from the victory. Okay, the victory has already been established. The only reason why the devil has any power in our life is because we won't Understand and be enlightened on who we actually are. We're men of God. We're sons of God. We're favored of God. Like the Apostle Paul says, look, none of these things move me so I can finish my course with joy. None of these things move me. Bunch of stuff's moving. But one of the things that's not moving is me moving off of what moving off of our call, our destiny. It's not too late to start like, well, you know, I'm old, made a lot of mistakes. Look, I'm old and made a lot of mistakes. It's a new beginning. It doesn't matter where you're starting. Let the let the inauguration of your sonship have activation in this year. It might as well do it now. This is the time. This is the place. We're the people. Let's get it on, baby. Let's elevate and not perspirate. Right? Let's be who God has called us to be because that's what we already are. Philemon chapter 1. There's only one chapter in it. Verse 6. You're going to love this, Tom says that this is how to have effectiveness in your faith by the acknowledgement of what's already inside of you you've never even heard of Philemon because there's one little ver one little book in between I don't even know where it is it's in the Bible somewhere back back It's one of them little books back there back in the back where you you you, you missed it because you took two pages at one time and flipped it and you well Phil Philemon verse 6, chapter 1 verse 6 says, this is how your faith is effective. Not by acquisition, but acknowledgement of what's already in you. So Christianity isn't about doing, it's about discovering what's been done already. Already. I don't know why we're trying, I don't know why we're trying to get God to give us what's already ours. I just don't know why we do that. Listen, look at me. The reputation of the Holy Spirit coming on flesh is 100%, 100% success. of the time. So I want you to understand that it is impossible for you to screw this up. You are not stronger than what you're carrying. What you're carrying is stronger than your mistakes. What's on the inside of you, greater is he that's in you. What's in you, Christ in you, and you in Christ is stronger than your upbringing, your mistakes, your bad habits, your regrets, what your ex-wife says about you, all the regrets in your life. What's in you right now, if you'll activate it, will kick the crud out of that stuff. And you'll be standing in a disposition where you're like, deeply loved, highly favored,